And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. I'm looking around here at the studio at you guys, and um, I'm seeing if you're wearing green. Now, um, Mark, you have a little bit of green on you, and this is something we used to do when we were in grade school uh, with the kids, because today is St. Patty's Day. And as the phone rings in the background, it's busy here in the studio, we want to talk a little bit about this very interesting character in history known as St. Patrick. Just to get us started, John Vance, could you help us, and then also Mark, a little bit understand the history of St. Patrick? St. Patrick, what a, what a, uh, a beautiful character, no doubt, he possessed. Uh, but he lived a long time ago, um, out of the modern era and out of the medieval period. He, he was uh, late antiquity, if you will, and he probably was born in the 4th century, uh, anywhere from about uh, 380 to 390, somewhere in that period of time, mm-hmm. 395. Mm-hmm. And he um, uh, was born uh, on the west coast of Britain. And it could be in Scotland, possibly in Wales today, but in that region, hmm. uh, he was a Briton. He was uh, a, uh, a a Celt, or or you can say Celt, Celtic background. Uh, he was um, a man who who uh, uh, well, actually, he became what the patron saint of Ireland mm-hmm. uh, for his labors and ministry in the uh, Christian faith. And he is to be commended, I believe, and uh, I'm happy to to, to join uh, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters in celebrating uh, St. Patrick. Uh, he's, uh, what is it, uh, this day, uh, yeah, the 17th, today. so <laughs> we're, we, we've got uh, a, a, a wonderful opportunity to remember a man who was uh, expended himself for Christ. Yeah, he was... Uh a tremendous individual, and, and it was interesting to see how God had used him at that time. You know, who would have ever expected him to come to Ireland, or or how do you get a call to go from Britain to Ireland? And his call came in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. Pirates captured him and took him over to Ireland. So it's pirates. Yeah, it was pirates. They, they, they basically captured him and took him to Ireland. And, and he was a young man. As a young man. 15, maybe 15, 15 16. 16 years old, yeah. And he was sold as a, as a slave, essentially, to, to ten sheep. He was a shepherd. Oh, Boy, how my. many shepherds we have in the Bible that, you know, <laughs> things start off. It's good you, training. You, you better be careful, yeah. you know. If, if you start off as a shepherd, you might wind up being something else, you know. It's just – but anyhow, that's yeah. – I mean, that's what he, he did. And, and I believe he writes that – and I haven't studied his writings. Uh, they're basically two of them, but uh, – So that's, they're extant or survived. That have survived, mm-hmm. yeah, the declaration. He tells about – I believe he had a vision. Is that right, John? Yes, he did have he a had vision. He had a vision that he was going to be able to escape, and, and he did. He left the sheep. He <laughs> went down to the ship, caught a ship, and escaped back to Great Britain. And uh, at that point, he went into studying. He went into studying, okay. and, and he became convicted – while he was a shepherd, actually, he became convicted of, I think, how cavalierly he treated his Christian faith. And mm-hmm. he became a lot more serious about it and studied it hard and then felt another call to go back. 
You know, mm. isn't that interesting, uh, Marcus? Let me uh, pause there for a moment. Mm. But what humility he must have yeah. had after having been pirated away to Ireland and yeah. hired out as a slave to mm. keep sheep. He escapes and probably rides a pirate ship back to Great Britain. <laughs> and at the same time, he comes and he had a great love for those people. He didn't yeah. get embittered. That's a good he point. must have believed in the providence of God. Mm. Yeah, he probably did. He was a little bit almost a contemporary of St. Augustine. Almost. And, mm-hmm. uh, About a generation later. Yeah, definitely did have this love for God. Yeah, he did. He yeah. was a generation or two removed from St. Augustine, so he lived in another world. And uh, he grew uh, to love the Irish tribal people. It was an entirely tribal land at the time and mm. and so forth. They really had no cities. It was uh, not heavily populated. It was pagan. And uh, his, his labors were primarily in the north uh, of Ireland. And uh, no doubt he was on the west coast, too, when he was a shepherd looking out over the Atlantic Ocean there. Uh, you can just imagine his mind wandering about what's far off. But he he was called to Ireland, and hmm. and that was a blessing yeah. to the Irish people. It was. Today we're talking about uh, St. Patrick here on A Plain Answer. And, of course, today is St. Patrick's Day. What we'll do after the break that's coming up is uh, maybe we'll spend a little bit more time talking about his contributions to the Christian faith and practice. And uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. I arise this day with God's power to guide me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to teach me, God's eye to watch over me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to give me speech, God's hand to guide me. God's way to lie before me, God's shield to shelter me, and God's host to secure me against all evil and temptation. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all the world. 
And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Interesting discussion today. We're talking about St. Patrick. And uh, now you guys are all Protestants here. And uh, St. Patrick is more in the Roman Catholic tradition. Why would we want to talk about this man? St. Patrick, I think, is just a Catholic Ah. Uh, man for the whole Church of Christ. But I can understand why Irish Roman Catholics in particular Mm -hmm. uh, have a great affinity for him. Uh, On this day, we're all Irish, though, aren't we? (laughs) I think so. Uh, We're all Irish. Uh, uh, But we celebrate the life of a wonderful man that God used. And uh, St. Patrick, uh, as I mentioned before the break, uh, evidently was quite a humble man. And he he had a a, a great love for the Lord. It's obvious that he loved people and he loved the Lord, and he fulfilled his calling uh, to a people that early in his life had abused him. Mm. Yeah. When you look at St. Patrick, we again, remember the time in which he lived. As uh, John says, it's Catholic, you know, not Roman, because the Roman Church, as we know it today, was really not very much like the Church at all back then. Hmm. Well, it had not yet, Rome had not yet right. exerted its full influence over the British Isles, in particular Ireland. This is a kind of a native Christianity that had spread through the missionaries. Right. Uh, in the next century, it does become Roman. It does. But understand, at this time, a lot of what the Roman Catholic doctrine that is today developed over time, but at this point in time, had not yet developed. Had not yet developed. And if you're talking, and we're not going to get into the, all the little d- doctrines, but there are a lot of doctrines that never really were established until 12th century and later. And the papacy hmm. was really just being established at about this time. Oh, yeah. At this point, it was very much in its infancy. And you had an Eastern church which had every bit as much a claim to being the dominant church. I mean, the, the Bishop of Constantinople at this time was also claiming, if you will, supremacy. Well, with the exception of of the city of Rome itself, the Eastern yeah. bishops were more dominant. And the yeah. Eastern churches were more dominant at this time. Hmm. Right. But what was focused on at this time, remember we had just come through the era, it was only a hundred years earlier that the great battles for the doctrine of the Trinity mm-hmm. were being fought. You know, was Jesus God? Was he homoousius? Was he the same substance or with the essence with the Father? And so we have this coming in. We also have the struggle that uh, had very recently been fought with a man by the name of Pelagius. Pelagius saying that we are not born in sin. What was the time frame for him? Um, Augustine's Augustine's contemporary. Augustine's contemporary with Uh, him, yeah. So you see a generation or two just earlier than that, you had this struggle. So when you have Patrick coming over, there's a number of things which he is fighting for in terms of Orthodox Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I imagine one was being against Pelagius. No question. And Mm -hmm. for... Uh, the Augustinian faith uh, that God is sovereign and that God is the one who saves by grace, that we cannot be saved by our own efforts and works. When I hear you describe that, it uh, sounds very much like um, some of the Reformation teaching. Very much, and mm-hmm. very much like that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, of course, you know, as we know, Luther got much of his, of course, he got it from the scriptures, but... 
uh, he was an Augustinian monk. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the interesting things about Pelagius is that he was a Brit. Yeah. And he was provoked by the writings of St. Augustine. St. Augustine uh, had uh, said a few things that troubled uh, Pelagius very much. And uh, so he uh, went to to Rome, because that's where Augustine's influence was, and began to, uh, if you will, try to re-educate the uh, people in uh, Rome and uh, North Africa – and so St. Augustine took up his pen against him, mm. and he wrote his anti-Pelagian treatises. The interesting thing is here is that St. Patrick, while I don't know that he knew this as such, but he inherited mm. a Christianity that was quite, if you will, uh, individualistic, mm. uh, focused on uh, personal salvation, and much of it was Augustinian. and. One of the things that he did was in his ministry. You ask what contribution he made. Yeah, he was he was deflecting, trying to deflect the church in his day away from Pelagianism hmm. uh, to center on the gospel. And two, he also uh, was trying to depaganize, if you will, the people and to turn them to Christ. Mm. And, and he was an evangelist. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, he was a great evangelist, and and that was the big problem. Here you have the pagans with all these different gods. And, and of course, one of the other aspects that he's teaching them is the Trinity. Hmm. Not an easy thing, and, and I think this is, John could probably better speak to it, where we probably have the suggestion that he used the, the shamrock to mm-hmm. show the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah. and so we have that great demonstration to, to use that to show who Jesus Christ was with relation to the Father and the Holy Spirit. In the next century, uh the shamrock does become associated with St. Patrick. Exactly how he used it, I don't know, hmm. yeah. whether it's just legend or what. But uh, he was a Trinitarian Christian, consciously yeah. understood yeah. that you don't have Christianity unless you understand that it's Trinitarian. That's right. There is one name but three persons. Uh, we are baptized in the name, notice singular, Father, mm-hmm. Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he he was... Very concerned about that doctrine. Oh, that's neat. Um, here we are today talking about St. Patrick. Um, this is a dead guy. I'm sitting here thinking, um, is it appropriate to celebrate the dead? Is there something wrong uh, with looking back and having a special day set aside even for a celebration of, uh, um, in this case, a, a Christian man who has passed? I think it's, of course, it's not a problem for Eastern uh, Orthodox or Roman Catholics. It's so much a part of their heritage. But in mm-hmm. some Protestant circles, since we are taught uh, not to, if you will, uh, communicate with the dead or mm-hmm. pray to the dead, uh, it might be a little bit of a trouble. But I, I think <laughs> it would be uh, to misunderstand uh, the scriptures. While we are not to to delve into the realm of the dead, that they're before God and uh, we believe their fate is fixed at that point, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's nothing in the scriptures for us to, uh, while they are part of the uh, holy apostolic, I should say, uh, church, uh, we, we don't communicate with them in that way. But on the other hand, we are to remember those who went before us and labored yeah. uh, in the things of the Lord. Uh, Paul says, honor those to whom uh, honor is due. Mm-hmm. And you find, and Mark is very good at this, uh, 
you find the what, what would you say the role of the heroes in Hebrews, Mark? You have the role of the the the, the heroes in, in Hebrews chapter eleven, and you have the recounting of holy history. Even when Stephen was standing before the Sanhedrin, and he was, how did he bring the gospel? He started way back with, you know, he starts back with Abraham. <laughs> and, and works his way through. And he brings, you know, all the way up. He brings that holy history into mind. And how much Trying Abraham to... is remembered in the New Testament. That's right. Yes. That's right. Two extended passages in Paul's writing alone. Yes. That's so right. in other words, if we don't, if we don't reflect on um, men of God in the past, um, something really is, is wrong. Um, this, this continuity, this history, uh, it, it's God's. It's God's doing. God has moved in history. So to celebrate the life of a person, uh, as long as we don't worship that person or pray to the person, is is a very healthy thing, it seems. Oh, I, I think so. Uh, we, we are to honor the dead, uh, just as we are to get excited about our children for the future. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of a link in a chain. Yeah. And we've mm-hmm. got to remember that we're not isolated from the past, uh, nor the future, which we anticipate and it would be a shame to do so. It would be like a spiritual Alzheimer's disease yeah. if we just cut ourselves off in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the other day, my my dad was over about a couple of weeks ago now, and well, maybe a week and a half ago, and I, I showed him a book that we picked up at Barnes & Noble in Kingston. And the book is A History of Hurley, and it shows a bunch of pictures in there. And I said, Dad, I think there's a picture in here you're going to be interested in. So I'm flipping through trying to find it. And then I found it, and there it was. It was a picture of his mom and dad standing with some of their neighbors Mm. um, many years ago. And he he looked and said, yeah, that's her. Yeah, that's him. (laughs) And then he looked and, oh, I remember him. You know, it was a neighbor friend. And it just brought back rich memories. And, of course, um, these would be my grandparents, the Elmendorfs. They were godly people. They loved Jesus Christ and Mm -hmm. had relationship with him. And so there's been a heritage that's been passed mm-hmm, down. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a positive thing. It's a wonderful thing. And have you ever walked through, I'm sure you have, um, a cemetery and looked at the mm-hmm. tombstones? And, and sometimes there's a glorious gospel message in these tombstones. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They print it on the face of them. And of assurance of salvation and, and, and confidence that someday we too will participate in the resurrection and see... Mm-hmm mainly and chiefly our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but also our loved ones who have passed on before. Yeah, you're talking about the, the, the tombstones. I'm reminded the first time I went up to it was the first Schenectady, first Presbyterian of Schenectady, mm-hmm. and you're walking the sidewalk and you've got gravestones on either either side of you, or at least <laughs> one side of you, and it's like, yeah, this is the Fellowship of the Saints. It is. It. And Jonathan Edwards' son is buried there. Really? Yes. Oh, I know neat. that. Wow. Oh, yes. That's neat. It is. The younger Edwards, who had wow. a great part in New England theology with yeah. Bellamy and others. Wow. The, uh, yeah, think about this for a moment, though. Uh, walking down through uh, the cemetery there to go to the sanctuary at mm-hmm. First Church in Schenectady, uh, you get a sense of the past and the labors that people uh, gave in the service right. of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then you realize you're part of this generation, and you are responsible to pass to pass something on to the yes. next. Yes, this is the true communion of the saints. 
Yes. And 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 the uh, Holy Catholic Church is made up of all of those in the past, the present, and the future, all the elect of God throughout the ages, which one day we will stand before God and we will be seated at his table, and mm. uh, this is the kind of communion that we will have. That's the encouragement we have. In Hebrews 12, you know, after that whole list of, of uh-huh. the, the godly, then, you know, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set for us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Mm. Amen. Now, interesting enough, you don't know who you are if you don't have a memory. Notice what Alzheimer's disease does. Mm. It robs people of their personhood because they don't have a memory. They're searching mm. to figure out where they are in the scheme of things or what they've done. And some of you out there have uh, loved ones who are experiencing a severe form of dementia or, or, or Alzheimer's disease, and you realize how much it takes away of the person. Think if the church is not deeply rooted mm-hmm. in history with an expectation for the future. Mm-hmm. It, it serves the same kind of, of uh, a way, if you will, dise- diseased a church that has no sense of history or mm-hmm. anticipation of preparing for the future until Jesus comes. It, 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 you're just not whole and full, uh, and I don't think you can actually – uh, do the work of the ministry in proper perspective, if you want to know mm-hmm. the truth. I mm-hmm. think that's one of the big problems we have in the church today in America. I, th- I think so. Spiritual Alzheimer's. That's yeah. true. No question. Yeah. Well, these pe- young people, some of them in some places, or families, uh, they're they're trying to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> oh, isn't that true? And uh, yeah. and then also cut themselves off from the great riches of the past. Yeah. Mm. Saint Patrick, what a wonderful man. You know, I have a. I know I'm dominating this conversation a little bit, but I have had something that has been with me for 30 years. Yeah. And I discovered how wonderful T.S. Eliot was as a Christian writer uh, when I was doing my doctoral dissertation, maybe more than 30 years now. <laughs> uh, but I was interested in the juncture between family and culture. Because yes, I was interested yes. in seeing passing of the faith on to the next generation. Oh, what you have received, you pass on to the next generation. Let me read a quote uh, from his notes toward a definition of culture. And he's talking about the family in relation to the past and the future. And here's what he says. But when I speak of the family, I have in mind a bond which embraces a longer period of time than this. A piety towards the dead, however obscure, and a solicitude for the unborn, however remote. Unless this reverence for the past and future is cultivated in the home, it can never be more than a verbal convention in the community. Such an interest in the past is different than the vanities and pretensions of genealogy. (laughs) That is tremendous. (laughs) That's why we honor St. Patrick. Yes. You know, that's yeah. a very fitting conclusion to our discussion today also, because I'm looking at the clock and I realize, oops, we're out of time. Um, today we've been talking about St. Patrick. And if you want to listen again to this discussion, it's up on our website. Check it out at RedeemerBroadcasting.org, also linked to iTunes. 
And a quick reminder that we would like to hear from you. Our email address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. If you have a suggestion for a topic to be discussed on this program, just drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Also, our toll-free telephone number is 888-724-4427. And uh, quite often, if you ring that number, you'll get a live person. But if you don't, leave a message. We'll get back to you. Or, uh, you know what, there's even a there's even a voice mailbox there for your suggestions, your questions, for a plain answer. So f- avail yourself of that opportunity. In the studio with us today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Quick reminder, please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. I arise this day with God's power to guide me. God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to teach me, God's eye to watch over me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to give me speech, God's hand to guide me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to shelter me, and God's host to secure me against all evil and temptation. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, Set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all the world. Amen.